Well, if you would, please go ahead and turn your Bible to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 5, Proverbs chapter 5, Proverbs chapter 5, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1, my son, give attention to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding, that you may observe discretion and that your lips may reserve knowledge for the lips of the adulteress drip honey and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood. Her, she is sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways are unstable. She does not know it. Now, my son, listen to me and do not... Depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one. And strangers will be filled with your strength and your hard earned goods will be will go to the house of an alien. And you will groan at your final end. When your flesh and your body are consumed and you will say how I hated instruction and how my heart spurned reproof. And I did not I have not listened to the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to my instructors. I, ha- I was almost an utter ruined in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I do pray that you would bless our time. We thank you for the privilege of being able to gather around your word. I pray, Lord, that this would be informative time, inform our minds, that we develop deep convictions and that our lives would be based upon convictions and that we live out those convictions to your glory and to your honor. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, on the front of the bulletin that you have there, if you want to take it out, you see a picture uh, and it's a, a beautiful picture, even though it's black and white. You see, um, you, you see two hands, and you recognize right off that these people, these, they're holding hands, and they're at the end of their life. But there's still that love and that commitment, and that love for one another. In our hearts, in our heart of hearts, we know that this is the way things should be. They're committed. Like I said, it's a beautiful picture. It's a picture of responsible, representing a lifetime of commitment with one another. And it's a wonderful thing. And we, we know that that is the way it should be. Now, it's sometimes the way the Lord has orchestrated. Maybe it's not always that way. But this is the way things should be. One woman, one man for one lifetime. And it's marriage. It's marriage. And that marriage is to last Last a whole life. That marriage today is in jeopardy. And one out of two marriages end in divorce. And we know the statistics. And we know also that it takes work. It really does. Marriage is hard and it takes work. It's a lot of work. It's some things that you do. You have to love. And love is an action word. And those are, those are acts of love. You have to do those. And then some things that you abstain from. Some things you don't do. And that's immorality, infidelity. And Solomon knows these things and he is laying these things out for us in chapter 5. 
And at first you think that he's just talking about his son, talking to someone about immorality and just don't fall under the seductive power of an adulteress. But by the time you get to the end of chapter 5, you begin to realize he is developing for his son a whole view of God's design for man, God's design for women, and God's design for marriage. And he lays that out, and it's a beautiful picture of the way things should be, the whole of chapter 5. And in spite of our sinful, in our day, in spite of our the sinful thinking of the world and the confusing thinking that the world has, God has given us specific and clear instructions for our sexuality and for our marriage. And the question that we'll look at, and he answers for us, and he helps us to look at today in chapter 5, is how then do we maintain a, a lifelong, strong marriage? How do we do that for one life? It, it's work and it's hard and, and he's going to show us how to do that. But he does it in an interesting way. He does it with, there's basically three major sections in verse, uh, in chapter five. And there's, um, two negative paragraphs, two paragraphs that he deals with what you should not do. The, the, the things that you avoid, the temptations. The cautions. And then next week we're going to look at that last section. And that's a, that's just all positive about marriage. And it's God's design for marriage. So we want to tackle. This is one of the most, really not difficult, but interesting passages really in the whole of the Old Testament. Look at the first principle with me. And that's the first part for six verses. And this is a caution about temptation. And here's the principle. I'm going to just read out the principle for you. We must recognize temptation for what it is. Death. We must recognize temptation for what it is. And that's death. Look at chapter 5 and verse 1. My son, give attention to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. That you may observe discretion. And that your lips reserve knowledge. Now, this is a plea from Solomon. And this is Solomon's typical way that he is calling his son to wisdom. He's calling them. Listen up. He says, give attention. Incline your ear. Stretch your ear out. Listen to what I have to say. Listen up, we might say. And he says, to my wisdom. To my understanding. Now, we we know that this is not just Solomon. Solomon's not pulling this out of thin air. This is God's wisdom. That he is passing along to his son. And he says, observe them. And he says, reserve them. Now those are two action words. And they're, they're a little bit different. When I was reading through this, they're a little bit different than what I imagined. The word observe there is not just to look at. This is to work it out, you might do. Or really conform to it. Literally, that's what it is. To conform to it. Practice it. Do what it says. The word reserved is to behave According to a set of commands. Behave according to a set of commands. It's a set of conduct. And he says, you're to, you're to do these things. You're to flesh these things out. You're to observe, to reserve wisdom and discretion. The word discretion there is wisdom or, or wise and objective judgment and knowledge and understanding. And he says, let your lips reserve those things. And that's an interesting phrase, but he, he throws that in there as a contrast that we'll see a little bit later. But we understand what he's saying. He's saying th- this is a call to listen. 
He is pleading with his son. It's a plea. But we know that it's more than that. Now I want you to think about this with me. It's more than a plea. This is a, a whole life commitment, a whole life submission to God's wisdom, to God's instruction, to God's command. And he's calling us to listen to what God has to say, to listen to God's priorities and God's wisdom here. Now, we're going to listen to somebody. You're going to listen to somebody. You listen to some philosophy of life. You may not know it, it may not be well thought out, but you're listening to someone. And the question is who you're going to listen to. Are you going to listen to self? And that's usually who we listen to. We just, whatever our self wants, our own heart, that's in fact, that's what we're told to do, is to listen to your own heart. Your own heart's not going to steer you wrong and, and all that, but we know better than that. Our judgment is not to be trusted there's impulses of the flesh. There's immediate gratification that many times we seek after. Short-term thinking instead of long-term thinking. And that thinking many times is influenced by the world. It's influenced by Satan. Many times it's not influenced by God. Who are we going to listen to? Are we going to listen to self or are we going to listen to God? God's principles. And that's long-term thinking. Are we going to please God or are we going to please self? We have to uh, not go by what we see. This is a life of faith. This is a life of faith. We go by what we don't see. Now, like I said, we're going to listen to someone. It's either going to be the secular teaching, the world's teaching, or Scripture. But I think what we have today is we have this Group in the middle. So you have the world's thinking over here and you have God's thinking over here. And we have somewhere in the middle, we have this quasi-Christian uh, set of morality kind of jumbled up with beliefs. And, and it's kind of this faddish Christianity that we have going on here. And it's kind of in between. You choose a little bit from the world, choose a little bit from God's thinking. We kind of pull it all together and just come up with, oh, here's the consensus and we'll, we'll just go with that. And that is dangerous. That is dangerous. Because what we do is we tend to just listen to what we want to hear. And that's what Paul told Timothy would happen in the, in the last days. They're going to get pastors, they're going to get preachers that will tell them what they want to hear. Tickle their ears. And that's the danger for us. And Solomon is saying, you listen to me. Listen to my wisdom. Listen to my understanding. You be governed by God's principles. That's what he's saying. That's what he's calling his son to. Now look at the principle that he calls his son to in verse 3. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and smoother than oil is her speech. Now this is the principle. He kind of states it here, lays it out here. He says the lips, now this is, remember, contrasting with the lips that were protective, the lips that are um, to govern us by knowledge, those lips that are protective, these are lips that are alluring. They're tempting. This is, these are the lips of, of an adulteress. The, the word adulteress is strange woman. Someone is outside the circle of, of influence. Someone is not doing what they're supposed to do. It could be translated a prostitute. And her lips are dripping with honey. That's, that's temptation. There's, a, like I said, an allurement, an appeal, an attraction. 
There's a, a fascination, an enticement there. And her speech is smoother than oil. It's flattery, flirtatious, uh, seductive speech. Speech that is reserved for marriage, but yet it's, it's, it's outside of marriage and it's tempting. Tempting. And this is a caution. He's throwing up a red flag. You need to listen, my son. When you see this, listen up. This is a good picture of a temptation for a young man. This is a picture of temptation in general, though, isn't it? In general, this is what we're tempted with. This sin always appeals to the flesh. It always appeals to the flesh. Now, I want you to note the the contrast here. I want you to note the attraction, though. Where does this attraction come from? He says uh, that her lips drip honey. Now, that's not to be taken literally. Now, she doesn't go around and there's honey dripping off of her lips. Where does that little allure come from? Well, it could come from her. It could come from the, the woman. And women, you have to be careful. You know that. You have to be careful how you dress, tone of your voice, and any little thing can arouse a man. But many times, man, that allure is coming from the capacity of our own heart. And Jesus recognized that, didn't he? He said, don't even look at a woman to lust after her. He recognized that this lust comes from the longing of our heart. And so, men, we have to be careful to not read into every little turn, every little thing that a woman does as as some kind of sexual nuance. And we have to be careful. There's caution there. Now, the point is, and Solomon was wanting his son to recognize those moments of temptation. You have to recognize that. You have to see those lips and you have to recognize this is a point of temptation. Now, here's the key. That takes being honest with yourself. That takes being honest with yourself, doesn't it? Man, you know that. I've had to, I could be lured away very easy. My heart, man, I am just foolish sometimes. I can be lured away. My heart just just kind of following my own heart. Just, wow, this is fun. This is interesting. This is clever. This is, and at some point though, my head has to click in. My mind has to click in and say, "Stop! What are we doing here?" And we have to be careful. In fact, what we need to do is we need to train our minds to recognize those moments of temptation and then just avoid them. Right? So how do we do that? There's one little one little phrase. God's principles, God's principles, these red flags that Solomon is throwing up, has to loom large in our mind, doesn't it? If we think little of God's word, we're going to just kind of put that on the shelf and we can, and it's not going to have any impact. It's not going to serve us well when the time comes of temptation. But if God's word is looming large in my mind, if I'm remembering these things, and if these things are in the front of my mind like Solomon talks about, then there's a red flags that are going to be put up. And we have to be careful. This is a caution. A caution. Now, he shows us the end result here. Look at verse uh, verses 4 to 6. This is the end. And he talks about the this lady, this adulterous lady who's come in. He has tempted us. And here's the end. Her end, verse 4. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways are unstable. She does not know it. Now, first of all, he appoints to, here's what's going to happen to you. Here's what's going to happen to you. 
He says, in the end, and there's always going to be an end. There's always going to be an end. There's always going to be this time when it's essentially all over. If you look uh, in chapter 14, Proverbs 14, there's this principle that Solomon just keeps hammering at. He says, there's a way that seems right, chapter 14 and verse 12, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. Now, that's the picture. That's what's going on here. Oh, it seems right. It's a picture of lips dripping with honey. I mean, this is good. This is right. But the end. And that's what you have to keep in mind. You have to look at the end. And the end is, he says, bitter as wormwood. Now, I looked that up to see what wormwood is. And he says, it's anything. It could be anything that's bitter. I guess it was just a little phrase that they used. Anything bitter. It could be something even poisonous. But it starts off sweet and it ends up with a bad taste in our mouth. And that's what he's saying. It's a bad taste in your mouth. There's regret. And then it's sharper than a two-edged sword. What happens is there's cutting and it's cutting both ways. Painfulness. Raw pain. Sore and agony and achy. You know that, that feeling. And that's what he's portraying. Here's what's going to happen to you. Look at the direction of her life. In verse 5, it says her feet go down to death. There's no real life in her. This is just an existence. And her steps down to Sheol. This is the place of the dead. This is a road that leads to hell. That's exactly what it is. And she is on that direction. She is on her way to hell. Look at her viewpoint for life. She doesn't even ponder life. She doesn't consider the... And ponder her life. She doesn't think about these things. She doesn't plan out. She doesn't seem to have any responsibilities. She's kind of footloose and fancy free, we might say. She doesn't have any real obligations. She's not really working at building life. She's not working at it. She's not building life to the glory of God. She's doing whatever she wants. Her ways are unstable. There's no godly principles to anchor her life. There's no real morals. There's no real moral compass there. She's spontaneous. And she's fun. She's the one that everybody wants to be with. I mean, nobody wants responsibilities. She's shifty and slippery, one of the commentaries said. And it says she does not know it. And this is chapter 4, verse 19. The, the way of the wicked is, is like darkness and they do not know over what they stumble. She doesn't even know the struggle that she's in life right now. She's just living life to the fullest. Instead of building, she's really destroying. Now, this is a picture of bait and switch. We see this all the time. We kind of get, uh, we kind of get used to this. We, uh, we pick up a, a magazine or we pick up, we get these flyers. We just got them this week and, and, uh, these flyers come in the mail and there's like a ton of them, man, sifting through all these things. And they promise you the world, just come into the store. They promise you anything to get you into the store. And then you begin to read the fine print and it's like, okay, well, it's not as, it's not as good as we think. And it's kind of a bait and switch. It's, you see the, the worm on that hook, the, the worm out there, but there's a hook in that worm. And if you're a fish, you want to avoid that. So this is a bait and switch. It starts out, lips dripping with honey, but in the end, it's more than just regret. You would expect Solomon to say, you're going to regret this. This is not a good idea. This kind of thing. No, this is death. 
This is more than just a little disappointment. This is more than, oh, I'm a little disenchanted, a little disillusioned. No, this is grief. This is agony. This is pain in the heart. Memories, regrets. This is poison. He says sexual activity outside of marriage is death. It will lead to death. It's poison to us. Now, let's apply this first principle here. That we um, recognize temptation for what it is. Let's apply this. First of all, we have to know what we want too, don't we? That's the first thing. We have to know what we want. And I think you've got a lot of people that are just kind of fluid. They really don't know what they want. They're just kind of out there. Instead of knowing in their own heart and mind, making up in their heart and mind, I want to please God. They want to please self. Or, you know, they'll, they'll please God a little bit when it's convenient, when it's easy, and then they, they, they please self whenever they can as well. They kind of live in this. What do you want? What do you want? You have to make up your mind. What do you want? That's the first step. Do you want to go down this path that, that looks great, but it ends in death? Or do you want to, to do the hard thing? Serve God and please God. Number two, We have to be able to look at lips that drip with honey and feel sympathy for that person, for this lady. But we have to see a road to death, a road to hell. This is is when temptation is there. We have to be able to do that. We have to be able to judge just by sight and not go by what uh, is popular, not go by what is cool, and just instant gratification. We have to go by principles. We'll live by faith. And that means we have to think long-term here. What do we want long-term? Men, you know, you don't want to sacrifice. You don't want to sacrifice in just some fleeting moment of stupidity. You don't want to sacrifice years of lifetime of joy and happiness of marriage. Let's go on. Here's another caution. A caution about the future here. And this is, the principle is this, remember the future for what it holds. You've got you to keep one eye in the future. You're always looking ahead. What is, if I do this today, how is this going to affect the future? Look at verse 7. Now then, my son, listen to me. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Now again, that's a call to wisdom. And here's his command. In fact, this is essentially the only command that really we see in this section. He says, keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her her house. Or you will give your vigor to another. And your... uh, Another. And your... And years of your life to the cruel one. And strangers will be filled with your strength. And your hard-earned goods will be... Will go to the house of an alien. Now again, he calls his son to this wisdom. This is a command. And it's a simple command. In fact, it's a little too simplistic. In fact, in our day of complexity, we would expect Solomon to go into this long list of here's what you do, here's how you avoid this. But it's just very simple. He says, don't do it. He says, stay far away. In fact, the habits of your life should not include her path. In fact, he says, stay away from her door. Don't even go close to it. Don't even give Satan an opportunity. Again, this is the only command 
The only command is just don't. And again, it sounds so simplistic. But the way to avoid temptation is avoid temptation. You, you have to take action. You have to plan to make sure you're not doing it. Wisdom is seen in actions. And there has to be actions taken. You, you've heard stupid is as stupid does. Well, wisdom, it, wise is as wise does. And this is just wise. You can be stupid, men and women, and go places you should not go. And that's just dumb. Dumb. So how do we apply this? We, we become aware of the dangers out there. And, and we commit ourselves, we commit ourselves to not even going down the path. So, we don't go down that road, right? We don't click on that site. And if need be, we just get rid of that computer or that cell phone. We don't look at that book. We don't look at that magazine. We have to be aware. And here's the thing. I think so often we think we're stronger than we really are. And I know my own life. And I, I know I've studied the Word of God. I know my own life. I'm still weak. I, I depend on the Lord. He will hold me fast. I depend, I trust that. I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself. So we have to be aware of the dangers that are out there. All of us. Because they're deadly. It's a bait and switch. It looks like one thing, but let me tell you it's another thing. Look at verse 9. The consequences here. Let's, uh, let me develop this a little bit more. In verse 9 he says, Or you will give your vigor to another. Now this is something that uh, I, I was kind of surprised at. I didn't know what the word vigor was. or I, I knew I had a, a vague idea. But the idea here in the, in the Hebrew, the word is splendor. The word is majestic or majesty or high honors. Here's what's being said. God gives us energy to establish a a future, a well-grounded future, a family, a good reputation, a, a life of honor, a life of glory, a life of respect, a ministry, a reputation that glorifies God. But this man is just throwing it away. He's throwing it out into the streets. He's throwing it to, to whomever. And these people are just consumers. They'll just, they'll just eat him up. They just consume him. Strangers. People he don't even know. And sin does that, doesn't it? He says, you'll give your strength to the cruel one. Now some people say, well that's blackmail. Someone's blackmailing him. It could be. It could be Satan. Or it could just be anyone that's, anyone that's putting pressure. The word cruel there is, is, uh, inflicting pain. And, and you know what? You're gonna have a lot of those. They're just, they're just gonna milk you for all you're worth. Essentially is what he's saying. And, and you're gonna give what God has given you into, uh, to, to build life. You're gonna turn that into something that's enslaved you. Enslaved you into a lifestyle. You've been pulled into her lifestyle now. And sin has the ability to do that. Now I think we, again, I think we, we don't realize, and we don't see sin for what it really is. We don't realize the power that sin has, but it has the power, the ability to hold us. He says, years of your life. Now that's, that's important that we notice that. Because sin draws us in, and we develop this lifestyle, this pattern of sin, and, um, and, and it just consumes, it consumes our life. 
And what you see here is really a, a comparison of lifestyles. You have two lifestyles, a biblical lifestyle and an unbiblical lifestyle. This is just by way of application. And you have the, the lifestyle that's, that's well thought out. It's based upon instructions from those who know God's instructions. It's a disciplined life. It's a life of faith. It's a, it's a life that's well established. Directions, right values, the right priorities of life, the right habits that you've built into your life. Or versus this immediate pleasure. Immediate gratification. This wrong kind of fun. This undisciplined life. And I tell you, without God working in my heart, I would choose the undisciplined life every time. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. But the end is still the end. The end is going to be, the end is going to be death. And he's pointing that out to his son. Look at the regrets in verse 11. Here's the regrets. And you will groan At your final end, when your flesh and your body are consumed and you say, how will, how have I hated instruction and my heart spurned reproof? I have not listened to the voice of my teacher, nor inclined my ear to my instructor. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly in the congregation. This is regret. Look at the regret. He says, you were grown at your final end. At your final end. That is when your flesh and your body are consumed. It's not the time to build anymore. You, you can't build. You don't have that kind of energy, that kind of glory. And you're just maintaining. And you have plenty of time to think. Plenty of time to think. And plenty of time to cry. And, and this is the cry. How I hated it. How I spurned it. Those things that were good, I rejected. I would not listen to it. I would not incline my ear. This is his cry. This is his lament. And he has much time now to think over the way he has wasted the energy that God has given in his life. And he says, I come to almost utter ruin, shame in the whole congregation, whole whole assembly, whole of Israel. The end here, he finds he's wasted his life. It's a lot of regret. God has, God gave him energy to invest, to build energy that he will never gain back, energy that he's not going to have anymore. He didn't build. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. He wasted it. And now he has plenty of time to regret it. I like what one commentary said. This is Kidner in his book on Proverbs. He says this, he will wake up to find out that he has been exploited by his chosen circle. He chose this circle of friends that he is dealing with, with whom he has no real ties. I like that. He's forsaken his wife, forsaken those who really love him. And now he goes on to say he is condemned by his conscience and on the brink of public ruin. That's strong. Now, let's just pull this to a close. No one chooses, no one thinks, I want to ruin my life. No one sets out to do that. No one plans this kind of future for themselves, to to die alone, die hated by those who love you or those whom just consumed, washed up. They were sidetracked by sin. 
They were sidetracked by sin. Who are, this young man is sidetracked by sin. And sin always is worse than Satan wants us to know. It's always worse. Eve will point that out. Oh, it's just one little bite, one little taste. It's much worse. Sin blinds us to our own self. It holds us longer than we expect. And it consumes more than we realize. It consumes more years of your life than what you realize. And yet, we still flirt with it. We still flirt with it. We need to recognize the temptation, the temptation for what it really is, and that's death. We have to recognize the future for what it holds. So when we look at this picture, these, this couple holding hands, it's a wonderful picture of marriage, a long, long-lasting marriage. And we have to remember what Solomon is saying here is don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. Now next week in verse 15, you'll see, he's going to lay out for us what it is to have that kind of healthy marriage. But for us today, just going through this passage, I know, you know, maybe not applied to all of you. But the reality is, as we face sin, sin's temptation on a daily basis. And we have to think through, what are we going to do with that? Do we even recognize it? Is God's Word looming large enough in our mind to be able to recognize those times of temptation? And then, what do we do with it? Do we take action against it? Have we planned into the future that we we don't want to go down these roads? We don't want to click on that site? We have to think. This is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that pleases God, that glorifies God, And it's a lifestyle that ultimately will will have better results at the end. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the cautions. We thank you for the warnings. Lord, I look out into this crowd at Daniel's Bible Church and I see strong, healthy marriages. And I am so glad. There's so many people that are struggling because they are yielding to temptation. Because they give in to sin. Lord, may you keep us strong. May you keep us strong. And we thank you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. Thank you for the energy to build life. To build strong marriages. May we not waste it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.